You're listening to Kyle Warren. So evidently, a Hamas spokesman, the deputy foreign minister of Hamas, did you know that Hamas had a deputy foreign minister? Well, I guess they do. But uh, this particular deputy foreign minister got up and stormed out of a BBC interview because he did not like the line of questioning from the BBC reporter. Questions like, how do you justify killing people as they sleep? Well, the deputy foreign minister got up, threw down the microphone, and stormed out. I guess he was offended by that question. Stay with us, folks. All right, welcome everyone around the globe and across the net. It is the Friday slash weekend edition. That's right, folks. It's the day of the week. When we keep you entertained and informed a little bit more than we do throughout the rest of the week, we have a little bit more fun, if that's even humanly possible, here on the podcast. And of course, we send you off into your weekend with a smile. Oh, thank you very much. A singing host making his contractually mandated and obligatory appearance here on the uh, podcast version of the Kyle Warren Show. And uh, we've had a great week of broadcasting. Uh, of course, uh, the incidents in Maine uh, was horribly tragic uh, as we watched those events unfold. Uh, we understand this from Fox News. The mass murderer in Maine wrote a note to a loved one with his phone's passcode and bank account before he was found dead about a mile away from his abandoned car. Robert Card, of course, indiscriminately opened fire with a semi-automatic assault rifle inside a bowling alley and bar in Lewiston, Maine, on Wednesday, killing at least 18 people and injuring 13 more. And, of course, he was uh, found dead, again, uh, apparently from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. We don't know exactly what's in this note, and uh, we understand it wasn't explicitly a suicide note, but it did speak evidently about not being around anymore. Uh, folks, you know, we just can't even begin to express um, our deep emotions and condolences uh, to the people of Maine who've lost loved ones. Uh, it was a very, very tense uh, time, uh, understandably so, uh, as people had been told to shelter in place uh, during this time when the gunman was uh, on the loose. Uh, massive manhunt ensued, and it simply was uh, just terrifying, no doubt, for everyone uh, involved. So our condolences to those who lost loved ones, and of course our prayers for quick recoveries for those who had been wounded, uh, there will be a lot of time involved here uh, for the families and the people in, this, in the great state of Maine uh, as uh, they begin to uh, go through this process in the aftermath of this terrible, terrible um, act of, uh, of violence. Folks, uh, also uh, in Israel, they're beginning, of course, uh, with uh, uh, some of these uh, ground incursions. Uh, we're going to see if there's 
there's going to be the massive ground invasion here over the weekend. That remains to be seen. Uh, But uh, on Thursday, this from Town Hall. On Thursday, uh, BBC Middle East reporter Hugo Bachega, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, grilled the deputy foreign minister for Hamas in Gaza. His name's Ghazi Hamad about the October 7th attack that killed roughly 1,400 people in Israel. The terrorist group also paraglided into the desert with armed with guns and slaughtered 260 festival goers as they ran for their lives. He insisted the heinous attack was focused on military targets and that there was, quote, no command to murder innocent Jewish people. Hamad claimed that because the area was very wide, There were clashes and confrontations. The reporter interrupted him, reminding him that not confrontation, you invaded houses and hundreds of civilians were killed. The spar continued with the Hamas spokesperson adding that the terrorist group's attack was against the military soldiers who imposed sanctions and collective punishment against our people, quote unquote. So here's where the question gets quite interesting, of course. Uh, and I, I really uh, praise the uh, BBC reporter here, says, how do you justify killing people as they sleep? You know, families. How do you justify? Uh, he asked. And at the same time, Hamad, the deputy foreign minister for Hamas. um Really? OK. Uh, I, he says, I want to stop this interview. I want to stop this interview uh, before throwing the microphone off his jacket to the floor threw it to the floor, and then uh, stormed out, evidently. So I guess, I don't know, my friends, he must have been quite offended by this line of questioning to even suggest that Hamas, uh, you know, was indiscriminately killing uh, the Jews, the Jewish people, anybody in in their wing, in their way, anybody that they could find to take hostages. This is um, the height of of uh, just uh, a ridiculousness to believe that somehow this person would go sit for an interview and give us some information. Oh, by the way, Hamas also gives out information, for example, that uh, some 50 hostages have been killed in Gaza, right, because of Zionist bombing. And, uh, of course, you can't confirm these numbers. We don't believe anything Hamas tells us. Look at what happened with the hospital incident, the hospital bombing. But it sure was parlayed, wasn't it, into a massive propaganda campaign uh, sparking all kinds of protests. And and the bad information made its way around the world at light speed. So, my friends... um, I'm not surprised that this guy stormed out of the interview. Uh, it actually shows that they're, they're not able to uh, to answer any kinds of questions. We don't believe them anyway. But really, really hats off to BBC reporter Hugo Bashega. Again, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly uh, for asking these tough questions and and helping to expose. Right. I think that's really important. Helping to expose the just uh, the the absurdity of it all uh, of even uh, the idea that Hamas is a government uh, that uh, they're going you know all this kind of stuff when it's in reality their whole charter everything about them even the people that they rule over in Gaza are simply cannon fodder for them they're simply just pawns 
They're simply people who uh, go to their own ends, the ends of Hamas and the other terror groups and like-minded individuals to destroy Israel and kill all the Jews. And I'm not trying to be, this is not a funny thing at all. This is absolutely serious. But in this day and age, if you had any other group, any other any other country saying we need to eradicate that other country. In fact, we need to we need to eradicate those people. We need to wipe them off the face of the earth. We would all stand together and say this is horrible, this is absurd. But yet you have a lot of people in different parts of the world and even in this country saying Israel is engaged in ethnic cleansing. And Israel is the aggressor. Israel, it's all because of Israel. Look at what happened with the uh, uh, the UN Secretary General. Oh, it's, it's uh, you know, this doesn't happen in a vacuum. You know, there's been 56 years of oppression and uh, this other kind of stuff. And the uh, professor from Cornell, who's now on a leave of absence, who said he was exhilarated by the attacks. He was exhilarated by them. He, he thought, and another said they were awesome, evidently. Some, another uh, professor, I believe. So, if you're sitting in a college class, and you're 21 years old, and you're, you know, 20 or 22, 23, and you got a professor up there saying, look at how they came in and did the massacre. That was exhilarating. I don't know, folks. It seems like the world has absolutely just spun off of its axis, it would seem to me. Meanwhile, of course, this week we got a brand new uh, Speaker of the House, right? Mike Johnson, Republican out of Louisiana. And uh, he was, of course, uh, you know, <laughs> he, he, he immediately began uh, getting some criticism. But early on, they weren't able to criticize them. In fact, there was a CNN uh, discussion panel and one of the contributors there said, well, he was hard to demonize. I mean, this 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 was the problem. The problem wasn't the national debt. The problem wasn't the government shutting down. Uh, the problem wasn't uh, how much aid do we send to different countries. Uh, it, the problem wasn't, uh, you know, all these different issues that we face on a daily basis that are huge. The problem wasn't, you know, there's a war on, not only in Ukraine, but now in Israel. And how are we going to address that? The problem was this guy can't be demonized very easily. And so uh, you got to put your best heads together to work on that, I guess. And they actually went on to say, well, he's not the devil. <laughs> he's, he's, he's not the devil incarnate. And I suppose folks, this is, you know, over, uh, uh, you know, in the, uh, in, in these sort of uh, uh, circles, they can simply sit around a table uh, eating pizza or something. And, uh, and, <laughs> And trying to decide how best to demonize somebody. But, of course, they've tried. Well, you know, it's hard to get to the right of Mike Johnson, when uh, one member of Congress said. So they'll try everything. But uh, here's a guy who can, uh, who's, uh, has, and oh, and it's evidently somebody said, well, he has manners and stuff like that. It's like, well, wait a minute. You know, Mike Johnson might just be, I don't know, some sort of secret weapon uh, against the left if they can't demonize him enough. Uh, and he gave a great speech as well, uh, following his uh, uh, his uh, election and uh, taking uh, taking the gavel, um, in which he talked about you know the national debt's a huge national security uh, issue. Of course it is. Uh, talked about the division that is there right now, but I think this guy is the kind of person to build bridges. And oh, oh, also also they said he's 
he listens. <laughs> I don't know, folks. It seems to me like listening would be probably a good a good thing. But uh, they're absolutely um, they're 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 just discombobulated right now about uh, Mike Johnson and what to do about him. So, but we do wish him the greatest success because uh, the GOP, for one, has to be a very united. Uh, no, uh, November twenty twenty four is uh, almost a year away here, but it's going to be here before you know it. And there's a lot of business to be done between then and now so that we're able uh, to see some uh, some good positive things happen uh, as we move into the uh, into the next administration whatever that might be whomever that might be uh, again a lot of this stuff you know up in the air but we will see all right folks uh, we're going to listen in here real briefly to some uh, of uh, my interview with uh, Denise Simon on the weekend show for the radio program Uh, And uh, so we'll hear some of Denise Simon. And after that, we'll have another segment uh, where I was talking about uh, electric vehicles. uh, And uh, we thought you might find that interesting this week here on the podcast. So without further ado, uh, let's uh, listen in to my conversation with Denise Simon from founderscode.com. And of course, the Denise Simon experience on Facebook. Just head over to uh, founderscode.com. You'll find all of Denise's great articles and information about her and uh, how to uh, find out more um, about uh, what she's uh, she's talking about and her different resources and so forth. So without further ado, as I said, let's listen in to Denise Simon. Welcome back to the program, folks. Kyle Warren with you, 949-822-7959. That's the number, 949-822-7959. You can head over to kylewarrenshow.com if you want to send us a direct message this morning or if you're listening on the replay anytime over the weekend on various radio station affiliates, you can always go over there right then and send us a message about what you think about what we're talking about here on the program. And just right Right before we get back to our good friend Denise Simon from founderscode.com and the Denise Simon experience, we want you to uh, join with our sister station, AM 930 The Answer in Sarasota, and national radio host and conservative conservative rather icon Sebastian Gorka on his Great American Cigar Tour. And that's being brought to you by Todd Saylor and Wired Differently and sponsored by Sarasota Watch Company and Midas Gold Group. It happens Monday, November the 13th at the Corona Cigar Company on North Lemon Avenue in Sarasota. We'll discuss politics and life with great cigars, by the way, plus an exclusive book signing by Todd Saylor with his new book, Your Will Be Done. For details, visit TheAnswerSarasota.com. That's TheAnswerSarasota.com. And Denise, that sounds like that will be a pretty good time, I think. (laughs) <laughs> if you like cigars, which I don't have a problem with them. Well, you know, and you got Sebastian Gorka as well, so it sounds like a lot of fun. So the answer Tampa, pardon me, the answer Sarasota.com to find out more about that. Uh, well, Denise, uh, when last we left the story here, of course, uh, yeah, did you hear about, by the way, did you hear about that Hamas uh, deputy foreign minister who stormed out of it. the interview? I yeah. saw the interview. Really? Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it just it doesn't get any weirder than this. Well, uh, it, it it is the way it is. I think, you know, the interviewer knew precisely what was going to happen. Um, and I give him high praise for 
you know, trying to uh, make that confrontation in a big way. So, yeah, I'm fine with it. Well, indeed. Well, because, you know, they, you know, the fact that they have a deputy foreign minister is almost laughable because, of course, you know, we know that they're a terrorist organization. They're not uh, any kind of legitimate government that I think that we would ever, um, you know, think that could be. Uh, they don't work in the people's best interest. They use them as cannon fodder and they want to destroy their neighbor Israel and kill all the Jews. I mean, it's not funny and I'm not trying to be flip. This is what they want to do. Well, I mean, that's that's precisely it. And, um, you know, I, I will tell you this. I'm I'm real tired of, you know, everybody, um, you know, blaming Iran for all things Hamas. Because I will tell you that Qatar um, did all of this. I mean, they approved all of this with a full wink and nod. Um, they have been funding Hamas and all things Palestine for decades. Um, I would argue that, in fact, um, Hamas is worth billions of dollars. They don't even really need um, uh, Qatar, I mean, uh, Iran's money. Because they've they've gotten it from Qatar. So, um, yeah. Well, but also we did hear as well that it looks like Hamas, they call them militants, but they're really terrorists. Uh, But they actually went to went to Iran to uh, to be trained in the in the last year or two, basically. Correct. Absolutely correct. And Qatar knows every bit of that. And so. You know, um, our government has to be very careful about what they say about Qatar, and they really say all nice things, because we have a very large footprint and a very large uh, military base and intelligence operation in Qatar. Um, I will remind everybody once again that when uh, Obama released the Taliban 5 out of Guantanamo Bay, where was it that they went? Oh, yeah, Qatar. Mm-hmm. We actually built for them, or it, Qatar did with our approval. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. An embassy. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, as you said, yeah, you can't make this stuff up. But now, of course, we're at a real crossroads, though, aren't we? Uh, because the the world seems to be polarizing along these lines of, well, Palestine must be free from the river to the sea. And somehow Israel is a, a you know, a bad actor, occupier, apartheid state, et cetera, et cetera. And they're the devil incarnate somehow. And this is just a weird place to be in, don't you think? Well, you know, where do you think that these students get all of this nonsense? Well, they get it from their professors. That's and, true. Um, and these professors, why are they teaching it? Because they're paid by Qatar to teach it. Wow. All right. Hold that thought, Denise. Folks, we're coming right back. More with Denise Simon as we go through the weekend edition. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Kyle Warren. Third Watch. That number again, 949-822-7959. 
And uh, and as well, you can go over to KyleWarrenShow.com. That's my home website if you'd like to send us a direct message. Well, Denise Simon, FoundersCode.com, welcome back to the program this morning. Thank you, thank you. You know, I saw this earlier, and I wanted to ask your opinion about it. Well, I, I guess a dubious distinction for a California city. It's called Richmond, California. It's about 18 miles north of San Francisco. They voted 5-1 to one to pass a resolution that they claim recognizes Palestinian suffering and accuses Israel of ethnic cleansing. Richmond, yeah. California. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, it's, it's not funny. I'm laughing because it's so absurd. Look, um, <clears throat> I, I, I can't. Uh, Qatar, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rail on Qatar for a while because you know I wrote an article um, several years ago, and I titled it "It's Qatar, Stupid." <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I realize, like it. yeah, yeah, I didn't realize at the time. Um, I guess just how uh, applicable it would be. But um, Qatar has something called the Qatar Development Fund, and you know we rail against and we're mad that 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 uh, China owns our farmland, a lot of our farmland in the United States, and um, you know so forth and so on. But I will tell you that Qatar is one of the top investors in real estate in the United States, especially in Washington D.C in Washington, D.C. They um, actually own quite a lot of office buildings. And one of the office buildings is in a plaza in Washington, D.C., and the name escapes me because I wrote it in that article. (laughs) It's Qatar stupid years ago. Um, But it happens to also house the law firm in this office building where Eric Holder went back to after he was no longer <laughs> the attorney general. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, who else would be a um, fun organization to partner with um, Qatar? Oh, I'm glad you asked. How about the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation? <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh huh. Do so. Anybody get in the picture here now? <laughs> Indeed. And one of the top things that they want to talk about is equity. Equity. Now, how can you have equity in Gaza? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I thought they just had you know just suffering rule you know that comes over them. Yeah, so you know, I'm 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 pretty angry at at, at all of these people that you know say you know um, poor Palestinians. Well, you know what? The Palestinians voted in Hamas as their government, so I don't have a lot of sympathy in that realm. Furthermore, um, they they almost kind of get what they deserve because if they were very serious about improving their plight in Gaza. How many, how many Palestinians, ladies and gentlemen, um, have they, how many Palestinians decided that they were going to turn in some of these Gaza, I mean, these Hamas militants in Gaza 
for what they're doing there, building tunnels, making rockets, missiles, guns, stealing money, stealing, you know, aid coming from Egypt and, you know, the hundreds of trucks a day that used to happen. Right. So how many of the of these Palestinians, you know, went to Israel and said, let me tell you what's going on over here? How many, how many times did that happen? Oh, now we hear about this intelligence failure, right? Right. Um, that Israel should have, in fact, known about um, what uh, Hamas was doing. Well... And, and and who do they want to blame for this and are blaming? Well, they're blaming Netanyahu. But let's wait a second now, because, as you just said, uh, interestingly enough, how long has um, uh, Hamas been training for all of this? Yeah, a while. At least a couple of years? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, who was prime minister a couple of years ago? Because it wasn't Netanyahu. Netanyahu was only just sworn in this past December. Right, exactly. Yeah. So he was he wasn't even there when all this was going on. Well, but at the same time, though, of course, you know, you, you've got people who have this this notion somehow that Israel is is you know it's really set up by somebody else. They have these, and Netanyahu has got these different uh, sort of uh, intentions and so forth. You know, I, I just don't see you know that uh, in and of itself. We see Hamas came across the border. Well, look. You had the former prime minister that was there. And under the former prime minister, well, uh, Israel would allow 7,000 work permits for Gazans. And I say that because some of them may have been Palestinian Islamic Jihad, some of them may be Palestinian, some of them may have been Hamas. But they could leave Gaza every day and come into Israel and work, 7,000 of them. Under the former prime minister, he increased it to seventeen thousand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> aren't you inviting a problem? Well, it, it's it seems like it, but it's also the fact that uh, Israel tries to um, you know have the best environment. They try to put the you know the their best foot forward, as it were, in in these kinds of relations. And I can't imagine that uh, that uh, they're being called the names that they're being called. Because they, they've had to really make it a science to try to work with and, and literally coexist with people who are surrounding Israel. Well, <laughs> yeah. And so where does that pressure come from? Because remember, um, you know, we supply Israel with an awful lot of things um, in, to keep the stability in the Middle East. And they're the only ones that are keeping the stability in the Middle East. So we say, okay, Israel, we'll give you this, but this this is the attachment. You got to behave this way or this way or this way. Now, where does a lot of that pressure come from? Oh, glad you asked. <laughs> it comes from money that Qatar pays into the policy people here in the United States. Well, who are the policy people? In other words, kind of like the lobbyists that um Uh, have been working on 
uh, all things Gaza and West Bank and Golan Heights and settlements and blah, 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 blah. The Brookings Institute. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, (laughs) the Brookings Institute gets most of their money from where? Oh, glad you asked. Qatar. And in fact, the Brookings Institute has an office in Doha. Is anybody beginning to see all of this? Well, it's it's very interesting because obviously there are these connections here that when you start to follow them, yeah, it, it starts to take shape. Precisely. And so, um, you know, we're... <laughs> is it... We 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 think that we're giving a lot of money and a lot of relief to Iran, and we are. Um, but we also should we we should be punishing Iran, but we also should be punishing Qatar. And the next in line after that is Turkey. And especially because they're a NATO member, and there's yes. been a lot of talk recently now about well, maybe they shouldn't be a NATO member. Well, right now. Let's let's talk about the conflict between Russia and Ukraine, shall we? Do you not think that Russia is behind a lot of what is happening in Israel and in Gaza? Because I'm here to tell you that they are. How many times just in the last 10 weeks has Putin, has Moscow entertained Hamas leadership? Three. Three separate times. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Well, I tell you what, Denise, uh, here comes the music uh, coming up here, but you're going to stick around with us, right, for a third segment? Yes, sir. Okay, very cool. All right, folks, Denise Simon, a lot more to talk about with Denise on the other side of the break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about this. And I also want to ask Denise about those airstrikes. Did they go far enough? Good question. Stay right there. You're listening to Kyle Warren. Third Watch. Kyle Warren with you. Glad to be with you this morning, of course, as we race across your radio dial here on the weekend edition. 949-822-7959. That's the number. 949-822-7959. Head over to kylewarrenshow.com if you want to send us a direct message. And speaking of dot-coms, we've got Denise Simon from Founders Code. Dot com and the Denise Simon experience on Facebook and you want to find out more about Denise you want to check out her great articles and uh, all the great stuff she has over there just go to founderscode.com isn't that right Denise yes sir thank you indeed indeed well it's we're heading out to break I mentioned I, I did want to ask you about these airstrikes you know we talked about it earlier in the week of course but uh, you know did these go far enough or were they proportional uh, as they say uh, in the uh, in the military jargon or uh, is there something else in the offing that has to happen at this point you mean the US airstrikes in Syria yes I should say yeah clarify yeah the, uh, in in they, Syria they yes. were they were a gesture. That meant nothing. <laughs> well, I, wow. Yeah, well, see, this is the thing. I wonder, you know, if people think that this is, is causing the kind of damage to stop their ability to harm U.S. troops, because ostensibly that was the reason. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. No. Well, no. well, it gave it, it gave. It Biden was a, a gesture. If they were going to do anything, they should have they should have. Uh, I had a few airstrikes over 
Iraq and not Syria. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, the other piece is that uh, Hezbollah has been pressured by um, the militant Islamists with throughout um, the Middle East you know, to get very involved. And they're somewhat, you know, testing the waters over in the northern part of Israel. Um, I think Israel is quite prepared, and the United States is getting very, very prepared. Um, We still have one aircraft carrier that is not in theater yet. Um, I think it's going to be assigned to the Red Sea, but um, I think it was uh, just past the Azores, and would be in theater in another day or so. Well, you know, I think things could get interesting. Well, I'm I'm glad you said that because some of the listeners who are picking us up this weekend on the weekend edition, uh, they may not uh, have heard what you said earlier in the week. And I think it's important because you were talking about the idea that there may be something in the offing that we don't know about uh, in in as civilians, but uh, but somewhere in the U.S. government, they know something may be about to happen. Precisely, precisely right. Because um, the United States again, earnestly, as recently as yesterday, not earnestly and aggressively, told Americans to get out of Lebanon, and that Saudi Arabia flew in military aircraft. Who, by the way, we train. We train all of their pilots. But um, it's a sidebar. Mm-hmm. They flew military aircraft to get all their people out of Lebanon. So I think what uh, we're doing here is uh, one of our aircraft carriers is going to be watching all things Iran, and the other part of our assets. And there are a lot of them over there, including personnel, by the way, um, will be uh, aiding and backing up Israel should Hezbollah um, decide to get involved and things go sideways. Very interesting indeed. Uh, We've got uh, James in Clearwater uh, calling in this morning. Uh, James, uh, good morning. You're on the program. Good morning, Carl. Good morning, Denise. Uh, kind of shifting gears back to earlier in the in the night when you're talking about the Ford not building uh, electric vehicles. Um, talk about government deciding what's going to happen in this country. Uh, there was a decision made uh, a few years ago that they were going to go electric, and the choice was between electric and hydrogen fuel cells. And uh, the choice is going to wind up eventually hydrogen. Uh, electric vehicles, they're horrible for the environment, they're horrible to be made, they can't recycle the batteries, they'll catch fire, um, the range problems, and it's just e- ecological nightmare. Mm-hmm. Uh, hydrogen, you got um, cheap electricity here with natural gas, um, no problem getting the uh, hydrogen, oxygen, it's as clean as for the environment as you can imagine. And I think that's pretty much the way it's going to go. And it might take a while, but you mark my words, um, people are finally starting to wake up. And it might take almost a generation, but that's the future, I believe. Interesting. Yeah, Denise, what do you think about that? I think I heard him say um, that electric vehicles are not going to be in vogue, that hydrogen is. Yes, hydrogen fuel cells or some such. Mm -hmm. Is that correct, James? 
Hydrogen? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes that's okay. exactly right. Yes. Well, here's here's my thing. Um, Ford came out and said, uh, you know, I think electric vehicles are very important, but we're going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, be, well, they were talking about the, the consumers going to try to drive the volumes of it, you know, but we got all these mandates, you know. But I appreciate what James is talking about. And uh, thanks. Thanks very much, James. We got another caller hanging well, on the line. If, so if, we want to get Denise a chance. If it, wasn't, if it wasn't for taxes and the benefits that they were paying for the industry, it wouldn't yeah. have gotten off the ground. Well, exactly right. Yeah. He's, he's exactly right. Very Precisely. cool. Well, James and Clearwater, Good thanks. Job. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for calling. We'll talk again soon. All right. Uh, I think we got Backgammon Bob also calling in this morning for Denise Simon. Good morning, Backgammon Bob. Yeah, good. Glad to see you got some caller ID. <laughs> <laughs> we, we know who you are, Backgammon Bob. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, I just wanted to say one thing about Iran. And which is actually Hezbollah, uh, what's the other name, Hamas. They're all just part of Iran. It's like Iran has sent, sent a fifth column into these other countries to uh, do their work for them. So essentially, we're all fighting against Iran. And we should just declare Iran a uh, menace to the world. And if, and, uh, if, Iran, if Iran is Israel's enemy, they're our enemy and the world's enemy. And this other, all the other countries of the world should just, uh, if the other countries of the world are not with us, they're our, they're our, our enemy, they're part of our enemies too. And, uh, we just, we have to, we, we all just have to get together against Iran, which is a, which is a danger to the world. Yeah. What do you think, Denise? All right. Well, I, you know, did anybody see the vote yesterday at the United Nations? Um, so you know um you know pretty much they they voted um you know to uh, against Israel i mean so it kind of tells you everything that you necessarily need to know uh so how many people is iran and qatar and turkey and saudi arabia paying off over there um at the united nations for these votes you know, the un <sighs> proxy the UN is just a proxy for for, for these other you... countries. The UN has UN has nothing to do with the reality of the world, how, how how the world really feels. I think. Yeah, he's saying the UN is just a proxy. Well, I mean, but if they they in fact do have. I mean, I, I, I in on paper, they're you know I would tend to agree with that, but. When it comes to policy and it comes to influence and all those other kinds of things, um, there is some power at the United Nations. And they've always voted against Israel. They've always... Now, remember, on, uh, when the JCPOA, the Joint um, Plan of uh, Action with the Iranian nuclear deal under Obama and John Kerry... Remember that deal when it got signed, they didn't put it through, which is essentially like a treaty. They didn't go through the Senate, which ratifies them. Remember that? Yeah. Instead, they finessed the Senate altogether. And where did they go to have it essentially ratified? The United Nations. Indeed. Yep. So it's it's kind of like the good housekeeping seal of approval. <laughs> Yeah, yeah but, they, uh, but that's but the good housekeeping seal of approval is actually more important 
you know, in the real world of good housekeeping. <laughs> so forget right. the UN. Well, Denise Simon, founderscode.com. Backgammon, Bob, thanks for calling in as well. We're heading out to the break, but we're going to talk to one you again. One last thing, uh, Kyle. One last thing. Real quick. We're not dealing with, with Iran and stuff. We're not dealing with rules and parliamentary procedures. We're dealing with Mike Mayden. I think you you're, making, you're dealing with Mike yeah. right. I think and, you're right. All right, indeed. I do think Backgammon Bob was right about that. And, of course, uh, we want to thank Denise Simon again, founderscode.com, and the Denise Simon experience on Facebook, of course, for being part of the program there on the Friday edition, or the weekend edition, I should say, of the uh, radio program. And as many of you might know, the weekend edition of the radio program, it's uh, played at different times in many different uh, markets on different stations. So some people may be hearing it on Saturday day, uh, they may be hearing it on sometime during Sunday, for example, an hour here, an hour there, or two hours here and two hours there, that kind of thing. But it's always uh, great to uh, to have the uh, weekend show uh, as that's done early Saturday mornings uh, in our 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. time slot. The rest of the week, Monday through Friday, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. And again, that's Monday through Friday. All right, let's listen in to one more segment from the uh, program, from the radio show, uh, where I'm talking a little bit about uh, electric vehicles and what Ford Motor Company is saying about the future of that market. So let's uh, let's listen in. Wherever you're listening from this weekend, whatever you're doing, we hope that you have some great weekend plans. We hope that your weekend is relaxing for one thing we hope that it's a time to recharge maybe just uh, you know put in those um, those uh, ear pods basically uh, put on your headphones if you're driving in your car if you're driving in your big rig uh, and you've got us on the uh, on the radio as well we're glad to be riding along with you and this is one of our great privileges by the way on this program if you're law enforcement if you're first responder uh, we're saluting you as well and whatever you're doing this week Weekend all across America. We're just glad that you've chosen to spend some time with us. It really does mean a lot. It means the world, and uh, we're having a great time. And once again, I just want to give a special thank you to all the people who, ab- who absolutely have to uh, do what they do behind the scenes before we ever get uh, to be on the air. Uh, it does take a lot of folks to do what they need to do, and I sure appreciate it. And uh, just want to uh, say a special shout out about that. Uh, uh, because it's my great pleasure to come and uh, and talk to everybody and talk with you and then also talk to our great uh, regular contributors throughout the week. And again, you can go to KyleWarrenShow.com if you want to find links to listen live to the program. If you're ever missing the program, if you want to find my podcast, for example, head over to KyleWarrenShow.com. We've got links to listen live. And then here on the weekend edition, in just about 30 minutes or so, we'll be talking with our good friend Denise Simon from founderscode.com and the Denise Simon experience on Facebook. And uh, we'll be talking with her uh, about, I'm sure about Israel and obviously what happened in Maine and what's, what's happening moving forward, not only with Israel, but with the entire sort of global situation, because it does need to be taken in total uh, in so many ways. Even John Kirby the other day, we gave him an A plus for what he said going against the reporter that talked about, well, President Biden was harsh. 
President Biden had a harsh thing to say that, you know, in war there are casualties, and they found that very harsh to say. And Kirby turned it around and said, well, hey, what's harsh is coming across the border and, you know, massacring people and babies. Talk about harsh. I mean, it's just, this is where we're headed. This is this is what we're dealing with, folks. This isn't, uh, it's not an exercise, you know. It's like, it's like, you know, batting down the hatches, batting down the hatches. This is not an exercise. Well, this is not an exercise at all. It, it, this is the real deal. We are in it, folks. We're not only fighting terrorist groups like Hamas, like we fought Al-Qaeda, for example, we're not only fighting this, we're fighting that mentality, of course, but we're also fighting the mind-boggling number of people in terms of the ideas here, fighting their ideas that they think that supporting Hamas is and is is the right thing. That some Israel's bad and Israel, you know, and, and the as I mentioned, the Cornell professor who's now taking a leave of absence, saying that it was exhilarating to see the attacks. He was exhilarated. He was excited about it. How demented do you have to be in order to begin to hold those views? People hold views, right? And this is what this program's all about. I'm not afraid of the marketplace of ideas. I'm not afraid of it at all. But um, I think that uh, it's important to point out that when you have the view that it's exhilarating that Hamas came in and killed everybody... Uh, that that's you got a screw loose somewhere, right? You definitely have a screw loose, and we just got to call it the way that it is. You can think that way, but we can also respond. We can also have our own opinion, by the way, about what you think. All right. Um, before we get back to some politics here, uh, let's take a look at this. This is actually from uh, Tech Radar. And it's saying Ford slams the brakes on its electric cars. Here's what that means for EVs. <laughs> well, I have a feeling what it might mean for EVs. Uh, EVs, while they're not going to go the way of the dodo, uh, they're going to, um, they're not going to be as quite as, as popular as, as some people might think for a myriad reasons. Um, although, you know, can electric cars be cool? I'm sure they can. I'm sure they can be super cool. Uh, electric cars have all this torque. I mean, this immediate torque and they can just take off and go super fast and this kind of stuff. But it's the practicality. It's the uh, whether or not the market is really calling for this right now. So this from the article, despite headlines focusing on the fact that automotive manufacturers across the globe are rapidly phasing out the internal combustion engine because the internal combustion engine is bad, right? It seems many companies are struggling with the slow consumer uptake of electric vehicles. Yesterday, Ford Motor Company announced that it is postponing the $12 billion it had planned to spend on a new EV manufacturing capacity, citing the fact that customers in North America are reluctant to pay the premium demanded by EVs. That's right. We want you to change over to electric vehicles. 
But here's the thing. It's going to be hard to charge them. It's going to be hard to find a place to charge them. It's going to take an awful long time to charge them. Uh, and then it's going to be super expensive. <laughs> so, you know, we just, we have the, it's, it's not a trifecta, but it might as well be, you know, we got you covered, consumer. Consumer, you're going to love this. It's really difficult to use. Uh, it's difficult to charge. It's hard to find a place to charge them. And it's super expensive. That sells itself, doesn't it? It just it just really sells itself. According to CNBC, Ford plans to push back its planned spending on manufacturing capacity, including a scheduled second battery plant at a new campus in Kentucky. Although representatives for the Blue Oval were keen to point out that this would not impact its dedication to production future electric models. The consumer is going to decide what the volumes are. Ford Motor Company CFO John Lawler said in a recent briefing. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, we got to hold the phone right there. The the what? The who? The what? The consumer, my friends. <laughs> uh, Ford, uh, the uh, CEO, uh, John Lawler, or CFO rather, John Lawler, does, does he realize who's calling the shots on the EV thing? <laughs> it's, it's not the consumer. Not by a long shot, right? I mean, we we got mandates. We have mandates to do this. We we got to comply with the mandates. You know, you got to and you got to phase out. You know, great fun cars that have V eight engines in them, right? Why? Because we got to mandate the cafe standards, right? We got to get those corporate average fuel economies where they need to be, so that uh, uh, we can't have any more fun. You can't have. You know, it's this kind of stuff that just you know, irks everybody out there. But again, he says the the customer is going to decide what the volumes are. Ford is able to balance production of gas, hybrid, and electric vehicles to match the speed of EV adoption in a way that others can't. Regardless, the company revealed that its electric vehicle business unit called Ford Model E lost, drum roll please, $1.3 billion on an operating basis during the third quarter. Not not this year, but the third quarter of this year. That's almost double the loss when compared to the same period in 2022. Well, I, I've mentioned this before. I know you've got a lot of early adopters that, uh, in fact, I had a friend of mine the other day say something. I mentioned something about electric cars. And he said, uh, well, you could get a white Tesla. <laughs> That's, yes, that's right. You look out in the parking lot and it's lots and lots of, you know, I live in Southern California, you know, so uh, there's a lots and lots of white Teslas out in the parking lot. It's almost, if you went to the grocery store, you may have a hard time figuring out which one is yours. Where did I park my car? Right. Um, but, uh, uh, but the early adopters have already early adopted everything, right? Uh, and so they have their electric cars already, but the the bulk of the of the car buying consumer they have not yet decided that this is the way to go they don't really want to adopt it uh they can get a reliable used car uh if they're if they really do need to get a car at this point and they can find something for a good price and they can put gasoline in it even though yes gas is very expensive but at the same time, it's very difficult to go out and buy literally, you know, sixty or seventy thousand dollar vehicle, and 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 then charge it up. And and by the way, it's really hard to charge. 
it's hard to find places to charge it, and then it's super expensive, uh, right, to just buy the car. And then if you want to replace the battery, forget about it. <laughs> forget about it. All right, folks, we're coming back. Bottom of the hour break. Got to pay a couple of bills, a couple of special messages, and we'll be right back. Stay right there. Weekend edition. Kyle Warren with you. Listening to Kyle Warren. Third Watch. All right, folks, thanks for listening to the podcast this week. Great pleasure to be with you. We hope to see you bright and early Monday morning, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m., a.m. 860, The Answer. That's our home station. Head over to KyleWarrenShow.com for more information and for more links to listen live. We'll see you then. Take care out there, everybody.